Hello and welcome to another Millsurf HQ podcast. I'm Tom, and as always, joined by my main man, Kelly. What's up? How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Welcome back, everyone. So give us a quick update. Uh, it's early February. Is it 100 degrees in Texas again? Uh, getting there. I think we got about a month left before we melt. <laughs> so today we have another fun one for everyone, as we'll be discussing some recent and upcoming war movies and also BS a little, too, about some of the film topics we love and hate and all that. Because we are the quote-unquote Millsurp headquarters, we'll also point out the Millsurp use and accuracy in the films that we see. But on that note, let's clear up the scope because there's so many movies out there. Let's explain the criteria quick. There's thousands of movies from movies about cavemen to movies about aliens, and we're going to narrow it down to, don't be shocked, to primarily we're going to focus on the movies set in the historical periods associated with our Millsurp firearms in our collections. So selfishly, mid to late 19th century through the 1950s, little cheating here and there. So that's mostly World War I and World War II movies. And I'm sure Kelly agrees that the Civil War, Vietnam, Korea, they need their own show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything outside of the two big ones, yeah, those can, those can be another show. But there's plenty to discuss within this realm. Yeah, not today. We're, we're fine with World War I and World War II. And lastly, because we're a Millsurp firearm podcast, we're also going to try to stick to the movies that actually show and use Millsurp firearms. So I was talking to my wife about it, and she was bringing up a bunch of movies, The Pianist and, and Oppenheimer, and these don't, they don't have enough Millsurp in them. So I'm gonna, we're going to leave those out, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good, good approach. Yeah, let's, we're a Millsurp show. Let's talk, talk about movies with Millsurp. All right, I yapped enough, I think. So, uh, Kelly, who do we have on the show today? So today we have two very special guests. They are two of our Patreons, which I just found out last episode that we had a Patreon. But uh, I am happy to introduce Dylan and Nick. Thank you both for joining. Hey. How are we doing? Yeah, thanks, guys. This will be fun. And, of course, we always like to ask our guests, like, uh, what kind of collector are you? Are you, like, a pattern collector or a variety collector? And, like, what kind of era do you focus on or anything like that so i i collect stuff from like uh 1850s to the 1950s pretty like rifles mainly so all over the place kind of nice that's perfect for this show yeah <laughs> yeah i'm basically the same thing anywhere from the 1850s up to the 1950s i'm kind of expanded a little more further into like the 80s and 90s now um going to start doing a lot more uh clone builds like on ars different things like that kind of work with those but uh kind of really expanding more of my japanese right now i've been getting some interesting japanese stuff here recently so cool and you, you that's funny you're moving forward i pictured you would to be moving backwards yeah a lot more stuff's getting <laughs> expensive the further back you go so i figure let's stay a little cheaper <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask the 1890s or 1990s yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, 1990s. Like I'm looking at doing maybe like a a black some Blackhawk down clones stuff like that. Oh, cool. Nice. I love a good clone build. Yep. And no one's none of us have gone into the the flintlocks though. It seems. I want to. I just I can't right now. Black powder is <laughs> not the cheapest stuff in the world to get. Nope. All right. So these guys are pretty much perfect for the show here. They they this is what they collect, and that's pretty much what I collect. And Kelly is. Started as a World War One collector, but he's starting to spread every which way. Oh yeah, I started as 
everything, and then I n- narrowed down to oh, World okay. War One, and now I'm kind of getting to where <laughs> all the World War One stuff is expensive, so now I'm branching out a bit more. So to give the listeners an idea of what type of movie reviewers we are and like what we enjoy watching, I have a couple of lists of some popular war movies that we'll quickly run through, um, see if we're on the same page or even in the same book, you know, because if one of you hated Save a Private Ryan, the listeners would know to ignore every other opinion you had. So, <laughs> so get, your, get your bad opinions out now. Right. So it could be important to know what you like. <laughs> but, you know, what if one of you has found uh, 1917 one-dimensional the listeners who agree with that will then want to know that you're their guy to listen to but we'll probably like most of these all right so there's only six here i'm going to just read them out here and i want you to think of the first scene that comes to mind when you hear it because i have in my head that the most iconic movies have memorable scenes that just pop into your head as soon as you hear the name like cypher private ryan i said it before and i thought of 15 scenes right away so Think of what comes to mind, and if nothing comes to mind, maybe it's not that good. Maybe you don't like it. Enemy at the Gates, Fury, Dunkirk, Hacksaw Ridge, Das Boot, the 81, I know there's a couple, and Saving Private Ryan was at the top. I got this list from talking to some friends and looking online and and compiling a bunch of lists together, so these are them. So, Save a Private Ryan, that's kind of, we all know what everything comes to mind for that one. But does, what comes to mind for, anyone see Hacksaw Ridge, let's say? Yeah, that was a pretty pretty good one. Scenes that come to mind are, obviously, like the guy going up and down and lowering the injured guys and hands rub raw. And then he's dragging Vince Vaughn at some point, and he's like firing the Thompson backwards. Right, that was, um, that's the story of the army medic Desmond Doss, um, who refused to pick up a weapon but he was still a medic in in that crazy battle that he was like he just said was climbing the wall and carrying back that was memorable um and it was mel gibson directed it so i did remember that but did anyone not like any of these movies yeah i wasn't a big fan of axar ridge (laughs) oh yeah was there anything in particular oh there's something about it that i didn't really didn't really like i can't put my finger on it (laughs) All right, and that got an 8.1, which is pretty high for these IMDb ratings. I've seen a lot of them lately, but I'm kind of with you. It's, I, I, do, I don't mention Hacksaw Ridge and recommend it when people ask me for World War II. It's not really the first ones that come to mind. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a little slower. I think it really only had like one big battle scene. That was yeah, that, that scene yeah. you described. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Nick, what'd you say? Which one? If I were to do some, I'd flip Dunkirk and Enemy at the Gates, personally. Dunkirk, I've done some research here recently, and a lot of that reading on stuff from Dunkirk, there was over 100,000 guys there. What did we have? Maybe 5,000 on the beach? We couldn't do some CGI and put more people on the beach, and it wasn't standing in a perfectly straight line. It was mass chaos, stuff like that. And I kind of looked at, like, they kind of under disappointed. They didn't put more of the French soldier in there. You only see it in that first little scene. Yep. Stuff like that. Enemy at the Gates is pretty good. It's more of a like they I see why it gets a, such a low rating. It's more of a love story type thing. Right. That's that that's definitely the thing bringing it down. Is the the love story part of it is kind of like half the the, the movie when you really think about it. Yeah. But it, yeah. the rest of it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't watch it for the yeah. love scene. I watch it for the the gunplay because the oh, gunplay yeah. is great in it. 
Right. I agree. And and when you have little children watching with you, you kind of you, you skip the love scenes and go right to the <laughs> shooting and killing scenes. Yep. <laughs> it's the American way. That and then Fury if Fury didn't have so many I would say laser beams almost in it, I think it'd be higher. <laughs> but the tracers yeah. look too much like laser beams. It's like it had really a few few tactical issues as well. Yeah. Yeah, that Fury was um the guy who wrote Suicide Squad and Training Day, which is interesting. Um uh, but I, I Fury is another one. It was entertaining, but there's something frustrating about it. Like, I don't like when people give up at the end, even if it's for honor and valiant. When they could, I'd rather you die getting away than taking up a, a, a stand that you know you're going to lose. So I didn't like yeah. the end of it, but it was entertaining throughout, you know? Yeah. All right. So anyway, the gates, everyone has to like that sniping scene in the beginning there. That has to be his time in the shots. and Oh, yeah. That's a classic. Oh, yeah. Right. Takes out five guys, guys showering and all that. So that was good. And did wait? Did we say Fury had a memorable scene? I guess the Last Stand is a memorable. I don't know. It's it's that one, and then the one where they're going up against the tiger. That one's pretty memorable, I think. And Dunkirk was, I don't know. It was just all right for me. I think, but they when they were trying to do too much, going between the different different things between the pilot between on the beaches and between on that boat it just was too much i think sometimes i did yeah. like the sound of dunkirk a lot i remember the sound i was will agree pretty good well dunkirk was christopher nolan batman oh. batman begins you know interstellar and oppenheimer which he, i think he just won some award for that so yeah he's a master at that so but it didn't feel like a christopher nolan like movie it felt just it was a little dull i don't know i, I like if i of these six movies of course, I'm recommending Private Ryan. Uh, das Boot is a classic if you want to know anything. If you want to see anything about submarines, that's the one to go to. Don't fiddle with the other yeah. ones. But besides Enemy at the Gates, I'm not sure I'm touching the other three. <laughs> I don't know. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And in Das Boot, that was the... F- the first time I um I saw the craziness of a su- of running through a submarine, I remember as a kid, and I couldn't believe that that's what they. Re- I thought that was like fake. I remember asking my dad if that was real. It was that small. Yeah. I'm like that's how small it is. Yeah, I remember that the scene where uh it, they're just kind of uncontrollably sinking, and there's nothing they can do about it except watch the gauge. I just remember <laughs> how stressful that was he- hearing it and stuff. I think I'm claustrophobic to this day because of that. <laughs> All right. The majority of the World War II movies, we, we don't hate them, but we're finding them to, three of the six to be dull. <laughs> um, so let's just quickly go to the World War I list. And if you're talking about dull, four of the six of these are at pretty much the same kind of location. You have Warhorse, which is a 7.2. Gallipoli. To all the guys yelling, yes, I said it wrong. I get corrected later. I'll explain. Which we just, we just, oh wait, that was off the podcast. We watched the, the sequel to that, I guess. Uh, Gallipoli had a 7.4. Sergeant York with a 7.7. 1917, 8.2. Lawrence of Arabia, 8.3. And Paths of Glory by Stanley Kubrick. And Kurt Douglas got an 8.4. And it's the best World War I movie out there, according to everything. Oh, I'm leaving out the All Quiet on the Western Fronts, which are 
below Paths of Glory, but they're just up there. We'll get to those. But we'll get to those later in the, because one just came out. So any of these that someone hasn't seen, because these are more likely you haven't seen them. They, we have a 1941 movie. We have a 1962 movie. Yeah, I've only seen movie. clips of uh, Sergeant York. Yeah, there's, let's see, I think the one or two I haven't seen. I haven't seen Sergeant York. I actually haven't seen Paths of Glory, which is on my list to watch. So, ashamed as a World War One collector. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie. It's it's supposed to be serious, but there's, I, I just recently watched it, and it was, it was a strange movie. It was good, dramatic, and I could see why it shows war is terrible, but. Yeah. For you know, for a movie, for a movie made in the fifties, it's like really uh, I don't know, it's it's pretty cool. The camera camera work is is pretty good. Just an old movie. It's like uh one of the first like immersive immersive war movies. Right. The people think it's real. Um, the the people were taking clips of it now, thinking that was real World War One footage. <laughs> So Lawrence of Arabia is the only one of these that's really different part of World War One. So that to me is my favorite here as far as because it's how different it is. You know, I've seen the trench so many times going back to the first all quiet on the Western Front, you know. Mm-hmm. So to see fighting in this the turkey fighting and that was amazing. And to see that a lot of cavalry fighting and on camels, it was amazing. So that one gets the, the that gets its due credit. Nineteen seventeen was the uh, Sam Mendes directed the guy who did American Beauty, <laughs> a Jarhead though, and everyone talks about that right that one single shot trench scene that they filmed. Well, the whole movie was supposed to be like a a single camera shot, right? They, like that right. fake single shot. So that was. That's memorable. But was it a gimmick or or is it a true movie that do you tell people? Do you recommend it? I mean, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Yeah, I mean, that's the the majority of the movies that I see. I uh, that, like that we're talking about. It, it's worth the watch, but I'm not recommending them as good. So that's weird because I'm recommending you watch them, but I'm not recommending. <laughs> you know, if you're a fan of the of the era, if you're a fan of the war, if you're a fan of of movies, if you're a fan, you know, there's so many reasons to watch it, but they're not great movies. It's pretty funny. Right. Uh, Sergeant York, I did see, and it's very cheesy. It's it's a tip, it's a forties cheesy movie, and he's quirky. But there's a lot of great scenes with the 1903 Springfield. There's like a lot. Like one guy reads off the serial numbers of one of the guns. That, that'd be cool if you had that one. But he used a 1917. Well, he was in the train. It was his boot camp. Yeah, and it was like like a a family movie. So I don't know how it's on the best list ever. But it is. And Gallipoli just is another one. Trench warfare, but it's in Australia. The Aust- so if you ever want to see how they fought, it looks a lot like how <laughs> the, the Germans were fighting the French and, and the British over there. But the ending was terrible. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a very frustrating ending. Oh, no. Do the Australians lose? No, not the- <laughs> just the what happens to everyone involved in this, in this movie. <laughs> and what about Warhorse? Anyone see this one? It's all right. I have not seen that one yet. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting a lot, but it, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Like, I don't know what I thought, but with Spielberg attached and all this, I don't know. You're expecting a little cheesiness, maybe, but he, uh, there was some brutal war in that. Yeah. And some, you know, real good fighting and, and lots of good Milser to, to look at in that one. 
I will say, if somebody wants to watch something on Gallipoli, yeah, uh, I said Gallipoli because my my friend in school was Jimmy Gallipoli. But hey, <laughs> I would watch this series. I think it's a Prime series, or I don't remember who put it out, but it's a whole like ten part series on Gallipoli. Yeah, what is it called? It's called I think Gallipoli. I think yeah. Well, I didn't know anything about the whole story, so just he- just seeing anything from what the Australians are up to is, was great. So I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah. It's a very forgotten part of the war because it was oh, yeah. so far away from everything else. And so, and you know, all these Turkish mouses that are so cheap, you get to see them in action right there. Yeah. <laughs> and let's see here. So all the movies that people are considering the top movies were like, yeah, uh, all right. Nothing's been thrilling yet. Huh? No. Yeah. World War one's been slept on. In media for years. Yeah, that sucks. You know, when 1917 came out, they, there were documentaries that came out. There was behind the scenes of how they made the movie. Everything was trench warfare and, you know, World War One fighting, no man's land. And when I looked at, like, the top list of World War One movies, like, 90% was no man's land shit. So that's bringing us to our next segment where I gripe a minute on topics I am sick of. And the first one, no surprise, is trench warfare, no man's land, the same thing over and over. You put your head up, you get killed. They, eventually they go, let's blow the whistle and go over. I don't know why. The standing getting trench foot, it sucks in there. So I'm curious, if do, do you, how, do, how do you guys feel? Nick, you go first. Do you feel keep them coming or enough is enough? We've seen it, 1917, Paths of Glory. I think it really depends on the movie, really. That's where I look at it. I don't want to see whole movies kind of like 1917 and stuff like that, where it's the whole movie kind of that way. But if there's certain spots, like I look at uh, kind of a great point going off, like Kingsman, the new Kingsman that came out about the World War One time period. Right. You had that spurts where they would go in the trenches. That I understand. Kind of still bring it in, but... Not when the whole movie's in the right, right, no man's land stuff like that. But I did like, yeah, and I did like that one for that reason. They didn't. It wasn't. I said, "Oh shit, we're in no man's land again." But they left no man's land. Actually, jumping back to the list, a movie that I forget about and it kind of popped back in my head is uh Fly Boys with James Franco. That's actually a pretty good movie. Well, I think I didn't see it because it was James Franco. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll it's check it out. Bad. I really think that was the reason. All right, Dilla, what about you? Did you do you want to well, do you are you sick of them or keep them coming? Well, I wish they would do like the, the whole trench warfare thing justice because they, they like spend all this time or money and stuff on movies about it, but they don't like focus on like actual battles. It's just like made up drama they seem to make in these movies like like in 1917 for instance it's a pretty good example of that it's like World war one movies that aren't really about World war one <laughs> yeah I, def- I definitely agree with that and like if it's like the focus of it and they're like doing it properly i, I could dig that yep but every time someone makes another bad one that's one that they could have made some a good one some <laughs> yeah you know? i don't know well, that's a World War One problem. My World War Two problem is 
I hate to say it, but I've seen Normandy stormed. Uh, the longest day, Private Ryan, D-Day, Storm and Juno. Uh, I, I was looking at a list, and I was like, I've seen all these movies. I've seen it 50 times. I've seen Normandy and the storming of the beaches. And not only that, I've played video games, like 30 different video games where I literally stormed the beach. So, oh, yeah, I'm done on that. Kelly, you're done on that? Yeah, I think Saving Private Ryan got that one in the bag. So can move on to other topics. There's plenty in World War II that has been not explored yet. Yep. I'm going to get to experience going there in real life here in June. So nice. Oh, wow. You storm in the beach? I won't be storming the beach, but I'll actually be on the beaches. For the 80th anniversary, I'll be over in Whoa. France. So it's it's kind of a once in a lifetime trip. We're like, hey, might as well. That's awesome. When you tell people to you're going to the beach, and they go, "What beach?" Private Ryan's a pretty good movie to show them. <laughs> like that beach right there. Yeah. And well, I have some beef against parts of the Save Private Ryan scenes, but especially uh, on the beach, the beach, scenes, the beach scenes. Uh-oh. I will say, I have a little bit of beef. They didn't have the super tall machine gun bunker towers. Oh, yeah, that's true. They were not that big. That the, Some of the video games, they weren't that big. They were more built into the earthwork. That looked good for the bunker. movie, though. Exactly. And that's for the movie. I understand it. But I've, already, I've been doing so much research. And while I watch a ton of videos, the, the bunker systems were maybe 20 feet tall at most. It, they weren't the 50, 100 feet tall like you see them in the movies. <laughs> wow. and, they, and actually, they weren't even as high. Hillsides, depending on where you're at, parts of Omaha and Utah Beach are no more than a 20-foot rise from the beach to the top of the mainland area. So, Now, Point to Hawk's a different story. be cool to see a movie about Point to Hawk. So, there you I don't go. See? Yeah. And I'm still a fan of when they're have the other perspectives in there even if it's you know some people don't want subtitles i heard there was a bunch of people online if it has subtitles i'm out it's like it's cool to hear the the enemy reacting in their native language in a high pressure scene you know mm-hmm. so i like when they mix it up and show you the germans but after playing it in video games where um you ever play i played hours where i'm on the i'm getting out of the boat and, and i'm get halfway up the beach and get killed and then i'm restarting so I could dream it now, like I, like I was there. <laughs> Plus all the documentaries going back to when I was a kid. I'm, you know, just, that's just one topic. I don't want anyone else wasting time doing. <laughs> <laughs> so D-Day and, and Stalingrad are probably the most overdone World War II topics, I'd say. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we really haven't had a good area on Africa Corps yet. We've had spurts of it, like in Patton was had a good one, a decent series and see, or season or not season scene of that um valkyrie we had the opening scene where he was in north africa but other than that really we haven't had any north africa that i can think of yeah i think there's maybe one movie from the british perspective on that i think it's from like the 50s or 60s i don't remember exactly i i remember a tv show called rat patrol that was like really popular about the sas in north africa yeah, I tried to watch a couple episodes on Amazon Prime, and it was like the first two episodes were free, but then you had to pay it. I'm like, no, I'm not paying. It's not that good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much besides, you know, has Rommel been portrayed in anything? Barely. He'd be a good one to do something on. Yeah, I don't really hear yeah. anything, so that'd be nice. 
and, and that would span World War One and World War Two, right? And uh, spoiler, I asked ChatGPT some of these questions, and they did not bring up Africa or Rommel. <laughs> wow. There was a movie on Rommel. Oh. I don't know if it's a show, it's a TV movie. It's in 2012 called Rommel. Well, for like two, the last two years, we've been grabbing movie titles and everything, and no one ever mentions it. So, like these movies, they they're hidden so well that they're not on websites, they're not on forums, they're not you know, they're not on YouTube videos. I feel bad for the people that made the damn movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are there any other things um, you're sick of seeing? We'll get into a couple little later some more of the uh, some things you want to see, but I'm not sure what else. There has been a lot of pilot movies, I feel like. Well, that's not going to get better. A lot of dogfighting, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, yeah, my problem with those was no matter how hard they tried, I, it's not fluid enough that I'm following in this. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's switching back and forth in a weird way that it's I'm not really feeling a part of the battle. They always have a lot of added drama, too, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Are they ever going to run out of fuel and not make it? <laughs> All right. I'm trying to think of the... I think uh, what's I think it's De- Devotion. Is it, I don't know if you guys watched that one. Oh, the it's one Korean, in Belarus. Korean War. Oh, no. Or no, it's uh, Korea. Yeah. Hmm. No. But that's, that. uh, that's, what, that's one the AI said doesn't get done enough. The Korean War, and that's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, I, the, I just started pilot, watching yeah. videos on it, and I didn't realize how much fighting actually went on there, and the, how much yeah. the Chinese were involved. So yeah, that one that. on Korean War wasn't bad. That devotion, it just—I remember I went and saw it in theaters. It ended a little differently than I thought it would. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, he—I don't want to ruin the whole thing, but I'm like, oh, he crashes. Oh, we try to save him. Oh, movie over. I'm like, okay, <laughs> not how I thought that would end, but okay. <laughs> But the actual, like, flying and air combat scenes were pretty good, I thought. Yeah. Devotion. I just saw the thing. I, I didn't see it, but I'll put it on my list. I did hear of it. All right. So, looks like we still need more epic uh, war movies to come out. We Even if we make Private Ryan a 10, there's not many other ones that make it up to, to Private Ryan. Oh, that's the other topic I'm kind of sick of. Special Forces. It seems like every <laughs> movie is all about... Some sort of special forces somewhere doing something. Well, how are you going to get a B-list actor to a movie if he's not ex-special forces guy in there? <laughs> yeah, it's not always special forces <laughs> this and special forces that. Like, we get it. They did wrestlers. They did a lot of cool stuff, but sometimes the perspective of just the average soldier is kind of more interesting. Well, that's the funny thing about Saving Private Ryan, uh, Band of Brothers. Yep, yep. And they they were basically the special forces of the day. The Rangers and the Airborne were, in yep. a way, the special forces mm-hmm. of World War II. So it's like that you really gotta have to include those at that point too. It's like, yeah, so. I do. And there, there had there was a a period of sniper movies that there was like sniper special ops, and also like a series like a special ops colon blah blah blah. And I was getting annoyed at seeing all those pop up on Netflix for a while, but they seem to have stopped. <laughs> but I'll look at most anything, even if it's like I'm saying I'm bitching about trench warfare in Normandy. But if a really cool one comes out, I'm still going to check it out. I'm going to complain through it, but I'm going to check it out. <laughs> all right. So let's get back on to the topic of, of the show here more. The 
current movies. So we talked about some of the ones we liked and didn't like and some other movies we liked and liked. So you know where we stand as movie reviewers. Or not movie reviewers. But I have another list here of the recent movies that just came out that I asked more friends, collectors. Again, I went on the websites, YouTube channels, and they're supposed to be good movies, but I'm not so sure. They've At least they're talked about a lot. So we'll see if they're good or not. And we're not going to do reviews like Siskel and Ebert, which uh, to you young guys, that's those are movie reviewers from the 80s. I don't know if you know those two. But just going to say if we saw if we liked it and all that. So here we go. That's before my time. Yeah, they uh, were big in the 80s. You older folks are going to go, ah, Siskel and Ebert. Thumbs up. I get it. So first up is the Netflix release of uh, Blood and Gold. Now, we rewatched the trailer to this one before. And what I want to note is there, there weren't a lot of, how do I say? There wasn't a lot of uh, big box office smashes. There was a lot of B-movies, a lot of uh, foreign movies that came out. And we just watched the trailer for Blood and Gold, which is about this, this German soldier who defects and tries to go find his daughter and with the help of the enemy. Did anyone see this? Did it grab you enough that you guys saw it? I have not seen it <laughs> but from the trailer. I mean, it looks pretty action-y. It looks like a decent amount of mill syrup, so might as well. All right. Dylan, what about you? Yeah, I, did, I did watch it, and Ooh. it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's say we did uh, 10 grenades to save a private Ryan on the scale here. So one to 10. Um, I gave it a six. All right. Anything under five, and I really don't want to watch it. <laughs> so you still might see it. Yeah, I'd say about a six, maybe a six and a half. I look at a lot of the gear-wise, and they really did a good job on the gear. So, Yeah, I was going to say, like, based on the trailer, because I didn't see it, I'm like a seven at wanting to see it. Sit down, crack a few beers, one of those to watch. Not too serious. Right, there looks like there's some tongue-in-cheek humor in there. Uh, it, it looks very violent, but also with this tongue-in-cheek humor, so... yeah. Definitely a dark comedy. Yeah, dark comedy sounds like a yeah, sounds like a good description. Yeah, I know we talked before. If if you like Quentin Tarantino, it it's a pretty good movie to watch. If you kind of enjoy Quentin Tarantino kind of humor and gore and stuff like that. All right, and speaking of gore, uh, the next up we have is Susu, S I S U, the story of the Finnish soldier, ex soldier who finds gold and works his way through Nazi territory to go bring his gold in and kills everyone on the way. On a gold theme, huh? Right, another gold theme. Uh, I'll I'll go on this one because I saw this one and it was entertaining, but at the end I was like, what, why, I had so many questions. (laughs) So, and a lot of times I found myself saying, oh, that's bullshit. (laughs) That's bullshit. But I was entertained, and that's a, that's it. It was an entertaining movie. Yeah, I've heard it's the it's a it's John Wick, but in a World War II setting ish. <laughs> Anyone else see it? No, I haven't watched it yet, but I probably will. It's yeah. it's literally John Wick Studios, same studio as John Wick. Oh well, there <laughs> yeah, you go. It's on the list to watch. Yeah, so, and it has these scene like that scene. They're shooting at him. He's blocking it with a little shield. They could shoot his legs. They don't. He kills a lot of people in weird ways. But it's it's got a lot. If you for the mil- we're a Milsurp show. There's lots of cool German guns in this one. Right there's oh. a German sniper rifle. I see. Oh, the, the tanks are completely off. Yeah. Those are Soviet tanks. 
I'm sorry, yeah, we have a Soviet tank with the, what is it, the RPD or... The Dushka. Dushka. It looked like a Dushka, yeah. It's like, really? We're running a Dushka? <laughs> All right, so, like, what level of importance is it? The the uniforms being correct or the vehicles being correct? Like, where do you draw the line with... All right, this is ridiculous. Do you care? Like, I don't care if the vehicles are wrong because I know how hard it is to get these vehicles. But it should if you're CGI in them, they shouldn't be wrong. Yeah, I can yeah. I can care about vehicles a little bit, like tanks, like and when it's like blatantly obvious. For uniforms, I'm not knowledgeable enough. As again, as long as it isn't blatantly obvious, which I'm I'm sure I know more than the average person seeing a movie, but I'm not a uniform guy, so I don't I won't notice like gear being in the wrong place and things like that. Uh, yeah, I don't notice the gear, and I don't and the vehicles. I give them the pass, but I I just don't like when they. Don't there, there's no recoil when they shoot, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that that kind of like gun handling and like shooting and the guns themselves. I'll notice that immediately, just about. Yeah, it almost depends on the movie. If it's more like a humor slash, like these last two movies, I I wouldn't care as much. But like if we're talking, uh, nineteen seventeen, right? Some of these other movies where they're spending big, big, big bucks on it, I kind of have to get a little more picky on those. And, like, we'll talk. I'll talk about it later. There's parts where I'll watch multiple times to try to pick. I'll watch it as there's a viewer just to watch the movie, and I'll watch it back to <laughs> pick those things out. But, yeah, oh, yeah. It, can get, it can get pretty yeah. insane. on, And that's I'm doing that on a current series right now. So, uh, Also, like, uh, if, if it's a movie that's, like, portraying something that actually happened i think it's it's more important to get the the details right as opposed to like something that's made up yeah you know and something that that like gets the extra details that like most normal movies wouldn't normally get gets like extra points in my book for example like jojo rabbit they had like volksturm gewehrs and things because it was the end of the war and it's all the volksturm people and like it was an ss guy and he had an mp28 not mp40 because they had different supply lines and stuff like that you can pick out, and that makes me appreciate it more because I actually thought about that. Cool. And and there are some movies that get the the guns wrong. I was watching clips from Patton, and they had all the wrong guns. The Germans had all Spanish Mausers. Is it the same deal with that? If it's like a, a high budget like Spielberg movie, he better get all the fucking guns right. Or do you appreciate that it's hard to get uh, seven thousand guns for all the extras that they're filming with? I can appreciate when when they do it right for sure, and like I kind of expect them to if they're high budget. I mean, you don't have to have seven thousand of the things; you only got to have like five for close ups or whatever, and then just everybody else gets CGI or they have a rifle, but they're two hundred meters away, and you can't really tell what it is. You're spending their CGI budget now. How oh expensive yeah, that is. I'm great at spending <laughs> other people's money. Well, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like, I'm this is actually a pretty inf- cool information. Um, like for instance, same Private Ryan. Do you get the big money there? They actually use the Irish Army as all the extras. Whoa. And they actually gave them all. If you weren't within the first thirty feet, forty, fifty feet, you had a rubber grant. Yeah. Oh. I actually personally have one. It, it's such a cool gun. It looks just like the real thing, cool. but it's rubber, and it's but it's got actual web sling on it. And the only way you know it was used in the film, there's a little uh stamp code with a number on it and that was the only move that did that so yeah so that, yeah there should be more of that i think yeah absolutely and it's it's rubber how hard is it to 3d print resin stuff anymore and make 
rubber guns anymore. It's it should be pretty easy. Right. So now there's no excuse. Yeah. All right. So now we're gonna jump out of our era a little bit because it is a very popular movie. Napoleon just came out, and I did just see it. Did anyone else see it? Yeah, I seen it. I have been meaning to see it, but I wasn't able to the the time I got tickets for it. So I gotta 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 get around to seeing that one. It's it's got a six point five on IMDb currently. <laughs> like people aren't liking it. But again, from a, a Millsurp standpoint and from a history standpoint, you definitely have to check it out. They go through a lot of the history and I watched it with online with YouTube and, and Google next to me looking up all the stuff. They were they were pretty close with a lot of things, but I don't know about that whole Josephine shit that they had going on. Dylan, what'd you think of the Josephine cucking angle? I'm a <laughs> cuck angle. Uh, well, it, I mean, that's that's part of his story. So I'm like, I, I know a lot of people aren't into that, but I, I feel like they focus. They really focused on that part and all of this. They just like glossed over all, all the stuff that people that history people will be into. Right. Like, it was a movie about a guy and his wife working out a long-distance relationship, and, like, it was not about Napoleon rising to power and, you know, taking over the world almost, or Europe. Mm -hmm. And they had this blue tint that was just, by the end of the movie, I was was done with it. Maybe because I kept pausing it, uh, but the blue tint, it was, (laughs) it's a very blue tint. Do you remember the part where the guy had a telescope on top of his musket or yeah. whatever? Well, that's cool. That's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it looked cool. It did. So, yeah, he was the sniper. Um, And yeah, I don't yeah, everyone was very young. The actors were very young. And I looked it up, and the, the real people were pretty young. But it kind of takes me out of it sometimes when the leaders of all these countries look like they're 16. <laughs> but whatever. And then you have Napoleon. He's looking old, much older than he was. But that's Joaquin. So it's a, it's a, it's another one of the war movie must sees, but not that good. <laughs> so I haven't seen it yet. Could be do better. They, does he actually get? Do they show in the movie him getting exiled to Saint Helena? Yes. Okay, that's one thing because that's one thing a ton of people don't know about. But it's good that they covered that. Yeah, he's. That's where they. They don't do much, but that's where he is at the end. And then he passes on, and we get the story of his sad love forever now. Poor guy. I mean, I didn't know, you know, I know the stories of his, his, his notes and letters and everything, but, geez, it could have could have, could have been a side story. <laughs> All right, we got another one here from this year, and it was the Reveille. It was a movie that one of the uh, our friends of the show, Mike B, is associated with. and. It's another, you know, these guys are lo- they're low budget. They don't have any money, and they put together a pretty good movie. I thought we we I think did we watch it together, or I watched it with a few of the guys. Yeah, we watched it one part of it at least yeah. one Friday night. Yeah, and um, they they used real German speakers, and the actors were great. Uh, they, there was a lot of good to it. If this is the guys, I don't know. I don't know the details if it's his first work or whatever, but it was. It definitely fit in with the rest of the movies. It was nothing like you go, what the hell is this? Yeah, for, well, a, very, I don't know if that's a, for a very low budget, definitely punched above its weight class, I'd say. There you go. I'm saying I'm not doing it justice. He's going to yeah. get mad at me. I, I, I'm trying to say compliments. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it's hard it's hard to tell the truth cuz uh, i know he he's probably going to listen to this uh-huh. but like the it really had a it, it uh what am i trying to say the cave it could it, yeah it could have been a really good movie but uh, it really stalled out when they went in the cave it seems like like i, I feel like the movie could have been a lot better if they didn't if that cave scene wasn't so long <laughs> yeah it it did kind of feel like they ran they ran out of money at the end and said let's just film the rest in the cave yeah but for uh for the cave scene they did the best they could with that whole scene there that was yeah it was just a little you know yeah i've never made a movie so <laughs> i don't know no i i it but was I, the gear the gear and stuff and the guns they did a like such a good job on right as far as how it looked the the procedures of the guys how they they acted it was all very professional and looked great and you know these guys all know their gear, so there's no way they they have wrong shit. Well, actually, I'll say this: I reenacted some of these guys, so I know they know their stuff. So there you go. And we had our uh, Austrian friend listening to the voices. Actually, remember he and he said some of them are native German speakers. Mm-hmm. So you get A for effort. You get at least I'll get I'll, I'll it gets a six point three on IMDb, and I'll give it at least that. Napoleon at six point five, and it was four hundred million dollars to make. <laughs> yeah, I'd give it a six and a half too. And as a compliment, I want to see the next one that they put out, and you know what they learned and what they come up with after this. So it it was pretty good. You know, there was a lot of like we was talking about betrayal and Condor's Nest, and there was a movie called The Devil's Men. These were terrible. I wouldn't I wouldn't even talk about them now. I was gonna say how bad they are and i'm like they're just bad oh well now you mentioned them sorry guys I believe you brought up condor's nest oh my but we don't know them <laughs> at least <laughs> oh and three days of malay and thousand plane raid those are two look up on your own for people terrible looking they got uh, imdb 1.5 and damn that's 2.7 that's almost impressive all right all right we got one more here for 23 and it was really in 22, but I saw it in 23, so it's going in. All Quiet on the Western Front, the latest edition. It's a 7.8 on IMDb, whereas the earlier ones got higher rankings. So um, I'm pretty sure we all saw this, right? Yep. So again, do you guys agree with that ranking of, of a 7.8, knowing that Oppenheimer is an 8.4 and Reveille is a 6.3? I think it needs to be in the eights. That's me personally, though. War Horse is seven point two. Yeah, I agree. I'd give it an eight. I guess it depends on what they're grading on, which I know they're going to touch on this. I'd say it's a it's a very good war movie, but for a movie, if they had just changed the title, because if it's trying to be about the book, they miss that. Right. The people ranking rating it, a lot of them are angry because they did go off from the book again. And so it's different from the book. It's different from the other movies. <laughs> so it's a whole different thing. But as a war movie, I definitely liked it. I like how they like showed just like the ridiculous machine of war and how industrialized it all was. And like with Private Ryan's the one I point out to people for World War II. I've been pointing out this one lately for, to my friends for World War One, instead of like 1917 or some cra- like the Kubrick Paths of Glory crazy one. <laughs> So I yeah, I would agree. I, I that's like the, that, that's the, that's the one to go to as far as somebody wanting to learn what it's like 
in the trenches of World War One, what they went through. That's one I send them to anymore is the new All Quiet on Western Front. I still personally like the older ones better, but sometimes it's hard to... F- Watching an older movie can be hard sometimes because right. we've grown up with these new action-packed movies all the time. Some of the older movies are just so hard to follow, but yeah, yeah. someone wants to learn about World War One. that's where I send them now. So. Yeah, the 1929 one was... Surprisingly, pretty good. A little slow, but really good. I haven't seen the seventies one. Oh yeah, it, that was it. Was good. It was when I saw it as a kid. It scared me. I didn't want anything to. Every movie scared me as a kid, so I, I didn't want anything to do with that war. <laughs> Hell with that. I remember the seventies one being like a little campy, like corny almost. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. There was a little cheesy factor, and and that's the one that had. The notorious they used all turk mausers and oh yeah like i said you know, i was given passes before eh, it's, it's hard to get guns but they're using them in the boot camp with the guy you know with the training right in close up and it's all turkish mausers so it is it's right in your face as a collector that's wrong that's wrong and that's when they're cheap mm-hmm. yeah right i wouldn't know for, yeah, right. <laughs> I wouldn't know for the new one where they get all the gavera 98s but- at yeah, right? they're all true gavera 98s no you know <laughs> now they're they're probably all rubber <laughs> No, it's, it's, I can distinctly tell rubber gun from a real gun in a movie. That's, those are legitimate because they're working the bolts in them. Yeah. And one time the right. safety flag is in the middle. Yeah. It's like, where did you get these? Like what, what warehouse in, in Europe did these have sitting in? So I want to know. It's like, can those come over to the U.S. so we can buy them up, please? <laughs> and I, I saw a video where a guy said they, you know, like the guns were all correct, and a lot of the uniforms, everything, but the the tanks were the wrong tanks or something. So that was, most of it was yeah. correct, but the vehicles were where they screwed up or something. Yeah, that was such an interesting choice because that's like, well, like four down the list of like the known tanks of World War One. Yeah, it's like a weird one. And then they yeah. picked that. Like everyone knows the the British tanks and then the Renault FTs, but hardly anyone knows about those like weird French ones. I even forgot what they're called. And they had like. Multiple of them, yeah. The Charmond, uh, yeah, that's it. I know it's a Charmond, yeah. I don't, I don't know my tanks enough, but I saw the complaints from the guys who do know their tanks, <laughs> they were mad. So, yeah, that was a good one. That was like the best to me. That was like the best of the year. I mean, I'm even you know better than Napoleon and Blood and Gold, even if I didn't see it. <laughs> that one, wait, did that one come out in 2012? Well, it was the end of 22. Oh, there was also there was also Nard Nardvik. That was like it was like December. That was twenty two as well. Yeah, Nardvik. Yeah, Hitler's first defeat. That was surprisingly good. I like that one a lot. It was a little. I I did like Nardvik too. A little slow here and there, but that crag action though. Right. Yeah. Nardvik was (laughs) the Norwegian town where uh, the Germans had to use the port to get their what was it the ore from the mountains or whatever. Yeah, they're and stealing the, their iron. Yeah, the iron and lots of good mill syrup. Pretty cool. Surprisingly good acting. All those ones that are from World War II that are based up in, uh, what was it? There's Kings, was it King's Day? About Denmark? Oh, or I Kings, don't know. There's a couple like other good ones that are about like uh, the Germans trying to come in. And then uh, I can't remember what those are called. Those are also, I think there's two other ones. It's one's yeah, one's Danish, I think, and then one's 
can't remember what those are. Are you, are you thinking of uh, April 9th? April 9th, movie yes. When the Germans invade Denmark? Yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty that good. That one's pretty good. And then I think it's King's Speech. Hmm, I don't know. Check it out. That was a pretty good year when All Quiet at the Western Front finished 2022 up and Narvik. That's why I took him for 23, because 23 wasn't as exciting. And we did have Oppenheimer. I think I saw a Milserp in Oppenheimer. Anyone? <laughs> I didn't. All right. Boys and girls, and all the other things you could be nowadays, it's time for America's <laughs> favorite game, Milserp Trivia. <laughs> So, as always, we do the trivia as a fun way to bring up some interesting Milserp firearms to talk about. And we're going to try to share some info with everyone, little tidbits that maybe you could remember and sound smart to your friends. So, today's topic, of course, will be Milserp in movies. And we have movie trivia. So, we usually don't keep score, but should we go in order and try to keep score today? There's only a few. Do it. Might be able to. All right. So, I'm going to do it alphabetically. DKN. Perfect. That's the order. All right. So, we have two categories. One is Milser in movies, and the other one is Steven Spielberg movies. Here we go. Dylan, you're up first, and you have a Steven Spielberg one. Oh, wait. No. This is the demo question. In 75, Spielberg directed the movie Jaws. Chief Brody used this gem of a rifle to finally take out that bastard. You son of a bitch. So, this is a sample of the question and the answer because I had to make an even number of questions. The answer is, of course, the M1. A lot of people don't know. I've asked people straight up, what, what gun does he use to shoot draws? No, I don't know, a hunting rifle. <laughs> but no. All right. So, we'll start here then. You each get three questions, but we'll start with Dylan first. In the 72 movie Joe Kidd, while escaping, Clint Eastwood steals this recognizable German pistol chambered in 7.63 by 25 millimeters and shows us some Hollywood magic as his 10-shot pistol fires over 30 rounds and even locks on empty several times before ever needed to be reloaded. And a hint is it was used to assassinate both the Spanish Prime Minister Eduardo Dato and the King of Yugoslavia in 34. He used a C-96 and it actually had the uh, stock on it, too, in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he did have the stock. And I've seen so many C-96s yeah. in movies, and they never have the stock. I'm telling you. <laughs> but it is pretty funny. And I watched the clip, and he does. He just shoots not. He just shoots all like it's a machine gun. He, he's just shooting all over the place, never reloading. <laughs> Maybe he had a snail foyer mag. <laughs> yeah, right? Wait, do we see it there? No, I don't see it. All right, Kelly, you're up, and you get a Spielberg. Ooh. And they actually go in order from earliest to latest. In 81, Spielberg directed Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Indy was originally envisioned to carry a Colt 1911, of course. But at the time, 9mm blanks were the most reliable, so the filmmakers used both Belgian and Canadian versions of this model pistol instead, whose name derives from its 13-round magazine capacity, being substantially more than most contemporaries, including that Colt 1911. That would be the Browning High Power. Oh, snap. So, yeah, and the interesting thing is it would be 20 years before the High Power would be commercially available for sale in the U.S., but maybe he got it elsewhere, Indy. 
So as a pistol idiot, how does the Browning compare to the 1911? I mean, it's the final, final gift of our Lord and Savior, John M. Browning. Well, is it an improvement or an alternate line? Yes. <laughs> All right. Nick, you're up. Oh, and to kill a mockingbird from 62, Sheriff Tate brings a sporterized military rifle to Atticus Fence to shoot a rabbit dog. And it happened to be one of these models, a former U.S. issued rifle that was a big sporterized hunting rifle favorite at the turn of the century. Craig Jorgensen. Ding, ding. Yeah, he I'd kills have... the dog. And everyone knows he's a hell of a shot. So we read that book in high school and then we watched the movie afterwards. And I was still a big firearms history buff in school, you know, and when I was in high school. Buddy's sitting next to me I'm like, hey, that's a Craig Jorgensen rifle. <laughs> well, we're sitting in class watching the movie, so. I think I did the same thing. I think we all did that one way or another. I'm like, ooh, Craig. It's fun seeing something like that in these movies. All right, Dylan, you're up. Spielberg. Actor Denholm Elliott, a.k.a. Marcus Brody, was knocked out in a Venice library with the butt of a C-96 pistol in this 89 Steven Spielberg-directed movie. Um, so what movie did wow i don't know get clubbed Ooh, we got someone we got someone wait I, this is godfather it's the godfather it is indiana oh. jones oh, the last crusade wow that's the guy his uh sidekick was, guy was there a c96 in the godfather i'm thinking something else i don't know this is when they're going down to the tunnel full of rats x marks the spot I can't believe I got that wrong. We got him. We got him. Nice. Got one. All right, Kelly. Time for a comedy here. Austin Powers franchise, the James Bond-inspired pistol that Austin carries for the majority of the time is this model, 380 ACP pistol, developed following the Gun Control Act of 68 to meet the length and weight re import requirements. That is the PPK. It's the PPKS. What? The one that was made to meet the requirements, different slide on it or something. The whole thing about it. That was a tricky one. Got them. Uh, Austin Powers, I haven't seen those in a while. I wonder if they hold up. <laughs> Probably couldn't be made in today's time. Let's just <laughs> no. say that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick, you're up with a Spielberg. Oh, in 98, Spielberg directed the epic World War II movie Saving Private Ryan. And this is the official designation of the scoped rifle that Private Jackson here is using when, spoiler, if you haven't seen it yet, he meets his demise in the tower. The tank looks up and takes him out. Big spoiler. Oh, I'm trying to remember the as a actual designation. Gosh, oh, God. shit. I might get him again. I might get the, I might get the, all, three. all three on the same well, round. That should be the 1903A4. But the scope he's showing in that scene would never go on the 03A4. That's just my kind of nerdiness coming out on that. Well, I do put information about the scopes in there. If you want to go into the <laughs> scopes. It, it should be a two and a half power. Well, do you want to say an lever. A4? It is the lineman. Yeah, it's the 1903A4 is the rifle. It is. Yeah, look, it mostly has the M73 weaver sight. Yeah, and like the like that says the USMC one, that would have been the only regular O three rifle, not the O three A three was what the O three A four was made out of. 
All right, Dylan, you're up. In Mad Max Fury Road, this Russian-designed semi-automatic rifle was a favorite of Charlize Theron and is even shown being loaded by its 10-round stripper clips. But you could tell based on the stamp trigger guard and short barrel lug that it isn't Russian-made, but is made by this country and is known as this model. Um, it's got to be an SKS or Chinese SKS. Um, type 56. A 56 SKS? Yeah. A 56 oh, SKS. Nice. Check that out. With this wooden grip on it. Hell of a scope. Giant scope. Right. No bayonet. Um, did anyone see that movie? Mad Max Fury Road? Oh, yeah. That was a good movie. Re- weird yeah. as hell, huh? A lot of crazy shit in that. Very interesting is the word I keep using for that. <laughs> All right. Kelly, you're up. No. In 2011, Spielberg directed the World War I movie War Horse. Oh, in the 2011 directed movie War Horse, German motorcycle troops are accurately armed with not full-length rifles, but with these carbines that were adopted in 1908. I just bought one, so I should know this. It is a Carmine oh, yeah. A, and for you, Tom, an AZ. Hey, I didn't put a Z anywhere here. I didn't even yeah, joke about it. <laughs> But for the other 90%, it's an AZ, but <laughs> it's the Car 98A. All right. Nick, last one here. The majority of the German soldiers in the World War II movie Patton were not using K98K rifles, but were using these other similar Mausers from the era, identified by their straight bolt, longer handguard, and an auxiliary bayonet lug for older bayonets. Very similar to that on the Argentine 1909s. M- Spanish M43s. Ding, ding. So, yeah, they, they. I was watching a clip of this and I happened to see. It looked like Joe Rogan, this dude. I happened to see that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can see them close up and it's like, those are in K98s. Well, Nick, you look like you're the winner here because you didn't get any wrong. Nice. All right, you're now the. the co-host of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) all right you're in let me hold on let's edit let me kick me out real quick welcome as always here with my pal nick what's up (laughs) how we doing (laughs) all right very good guys stumped a little bit with a couple of the things there but we did pretty good now we're going to talk a little bit. We're almost done here. We're going to talk a little bit about the 2024 upcoming movies. And there's really not much from the big studios coming out this this year. Um, uh, well, not in the criteria that we collect. So there's a number of smaller films and some cool low-budget B movies like Warblade and Escape from Germany. We were watching those trailers. They're cool. They're low-budget. They have Milserp in them. But there's, I don't know. There's not There's nothing special about them so far. So... I showed the boys a movie called Captain Miller, and it's uh, it's like the Indian uh, Suzu. It's like a crazy Indian fellow who goes off against the British and seems to single-handedly, right? It looks like he single-handedly kills everybody or something. Like, uh, if you watch the trailer for Captain Miller, he's got bazookas and whatnot. So <laughs> I, from watching the trailer, I'm like at an eight, eight and a half for this. Where are you guys at now? For wanting to see this, I'd say I'm at the same place. It look, <laughs> it looks 
typical Bollywood, yeah. but Bollywood can be pretty awesome sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after seeing the exploding bodies, I got to see it. Right. There's there's a scene where there's dead bodies or tied up bodies on on poles, and they blow up in like the biggest explosion, like napalm from a plane. I don't know what that is. They even do that kind of explosion. Also that Lewis gun action. Right, he's running around with a Lewis gun. And if you look at the trailers it's a couple of times, you'll see he kills people with like 15, 20 different weapons. He's got yeah. knives and handguns and revolvers. Yeah. and All kinds of stuff. I saw a Sten at one point. Sten. So the guy, the actor's name is Danush, and I looked him up, and he's, he's known for his lavish lifestyle and is very famous in, in India, so in Bollywood. Check that one out. And they were speaking English in it, so it's, it's going to make its way here. And then we were actually looking at a couple that uh, coming out later in the year, a couple of movies that I forgot to even uh, put on the list. A couple of weird ones. The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare is another weird one that we watched the trailer for, and it was uh, Superman, Henry Cavill. And it's said based on a true story, but it was a bunch of psychopaths going crazy. Looked, <laughs> looked pretty good. Oh, yeah. That one's definitely on the watch list for this year. Yeah, that's a Guy Ritchie one. Um, but that one, I, 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 that's another eight and a half. After seeing that craziness and Superman, I never seen Henry Cavill like that. That was pretty cool. So, yeah, the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. And then we watched um, the trailer for Before Dawn, which was another Australian, finally another Australian World War One movie. But I don't know much about that because I forgot about those. But what I do know about is it's a little bit out of the Millsurp range, but the upcoming movie Civil War I wanted to discuss. I don't know if you guys heard about it. It's the movie about the United States going into a civil war in recent 2024. And some people are 10 with their hype to see this. Now, I want to see it, but I don't know if I'm, I, I care if I see it. Where are you, where are you guys at this? Yeah, probably a six or seven. I'll, I I want to see it, but uh, I don't have high hopes. Right, like I was hoping for more of the story of the Civil War, but it looks like it's going to be a lot more just like emotional action <laughs> and not action action. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like it follows some family. And like I love alternate history kind of stuff, so this would, would be right up my alley if they covered more of that side of it, like the how it happened and like what the political, what's going on. Yeah. Right. That's the part of, uh, like, how does California and Texas work together? Yeah. To secede together? <laughs> like, that, that would be a great story. Yeah, we got New York and Texas working together right here. Yeah. <laughs> but they're starting here while it's already going on, and I, I hope they're not going to preach to us about something. There's always somebody preaching about something. It'll be interesting to see, like, what the divide is, like, you know, how they play it out. Yeah, like I, and I wonder if it's going to have like an ending to it or if they'll get to where they're getting and then the world is still in the middle of the Civil War and nothing got resolved. <laughs> so uh, you can't tell from the trailer. I've tried to find that out. So I don't know if we're going to get a resolve. Might be one of those, well, there's some burning embers here, but in that video, I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely like a seven or eight on the definitely want to see it. Following the, that's right, it's not a family, it's the press crew. So that's kind of more interesting than some lame family. All right, but uh, so the Civil War, so we're kind of hyped about it because it's it's interesting to see how 
this guy, the ex machina director guy is going to handle this. And I haven't seen Kirsten Dunst in 12 years. So it was nice to see her still alive. But the last one that to come out that is actually out and it's, we're cheating again because it's TV and not movies is the uh, masters of the air, which they were talking about this for a few years there, right? Before COVID or during COVID and, Oh, they've been talking about this movie for 10 years. All right. This is the one, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. So I've seen more than one spot. They said it is meant to be the companion, the band, the brothers and the Pacific. And so it's the, I guess it is. And it's the air crewman. And it is terrible to be in those airplanes. Oh, anyone else see the first three episodes? I need a, I need a pony up and pay for Apple. So not yet. I've seen them all three, all twice. Yeah, I watched the first three. All right. I guess just me. This is the yeah. series I've watched where I've watched the first time as just a good viewer watching it for the series. And I've gone back and watched it again to nitpick and pick out the parts. That's kind of correct, kind of incorrect. and But I, I could go for days kind of explaining right, some how, interesting features. How accurate is it on, on a whole? Is it way off or is it close? No, it's, it's pretty close. There's a lot of features that are pretty incredible. Like the uh, the guard shack is exactly set up like it would have been during the war. Um, there's the scene, not ruin it for anybody, but their first time going up on a mission, you see them packing the silk maps, rolling them up like they should be. That's exactly correct how they were rolled up. And for it to take oh. it to the level where they're actually showing the silk invasion or the escape maps is pretty incredible. Um, they're May West life preservers, the yellow life preservers they wear. They nailed them in this movie. Um, all one knows whenever those hit the resale market later on, I know I want to get one. Um, I will say like midway, they absolutely botched those ones. They're not even close to correct, but there's a lot of really good stuff, but there's a lot of stuff that's like kind of corny. Um, the CGI, there's spots of the CGI is kind of really bad. I saw a heat seeking um, missile in the trailer. Yeah, there's a spot where it looks like they're shooting a missile, which is a little odd. Um, That's weird. The, there's a spot, not ruining anything here, where a guy gets kind of thrown out of a, a aircraft that's going down, and he hits one of the engine propellers from the plane behind him, and you see the blood go flying all over the wing. I'm like, really? Do we have to take it that far? And I don't know. But other than that, yeah, it's there, a good it series. Was... So far. I will say the like the first episode was really a lot more gory than I thought. Mm -hmm. I watched it with my kid and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> the, guy, the guy's face got blown off in one part. Oh of the yeah. Jeez. I will say yeah. there's a lot of if you are used to Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers, it starts and it runs completely different than those two series. With those two series, we kind of start off, you learn all the characters right away, and then it just rolls through there. This. You get thrown right into the middle of it. Nice. You learn a few of the you learn a few of the characters, but other than that, you just get thrown right into it. And All right, so where where do you there. put this one? Band of Brothers, The Pacific, and this. How do you rank them so far? Ooh. Band of Brothers is always number one for me. Nice. Um, I need to watch Pacific again. I think it would still go Pacific to this three. Um, I I think. We're still so early enough in it. Yeah, it's still early. Still a lot of stuff to come from this series, and but you know what topics you know excite you more. And... Yeah, and like for me, Band of Brothers will always be one because I reenact Airborne, 
So it's one that oh, cool. I collect a lot of that stuff. So it's cool to see it. Like I watched, I've watched it three times the complete series through since it's come back to Netflix. <laughs> Just yeah, watch, to kind of see <laughs> what it, what else is out there. Kind of really trying to hone on my reenacting uniform, kind of nail it down because they, they really did a good job on the uniforms then. And that's, they've done a really good job now. Like, they had especially, I was reading some stuff, the uh, sheep jackets that the bombers are wearing. They had to have a special person make the, all those jackets for these guys. Because you're not going to be able to wear an original one because those guys were just tiny. So they've had to find a special maker to make all those jackets nowadays. And so, and they've done a really good job so far on a lot of this stuff. So, But we've we yeah, ended it, up it looks last, great. Yeah. So we've, but, now the Elvis through, guy. How do you feel about the Elvis lead guy? My thing was just he—he he doesn't sound like Elvis really, but he's like a like a wet sock, you know. He's kind of—I don't know. The, the other characters are more lively than he is in this. It's just the way his persona has yeah. always been, though. I think because his first big role was the Elvis movie, and it's—I think we're gonna have a major either this coming episode, which comes out episode four, I believe. Yeah, episode four will yeah, release tomorrow. tomorrow as a recording. So I think there's a lot of stuff that's gonna happen here and. Tomorrow's episode or next week's, I think you're going to see some big changes come. Um, we got left in a good spot last week, so I'll be I'll be interested to see where it kind of goes. And like we still haven't seen any of the Tuskegee Airmen that they showed in the trailer. Right. We haven't seen any of like the uh, POW stuff yet. Uh, yeah, so far they did a couple of bombing runs. Uh, mm-hmm. One they were right, they was it was too cloudy. They didn't even bomb, which is so yeah. frustrating when he said. All right, let's dump the bombs in the canal and come home. And I'm like, Fuck. that's how they did. That's actually how they did. <laughs> no joke. Damn. Um, so, so what I was wondering was, uh, is if they're gonna show any of the fighter support or um, fighter escorts coming in? Because right now they don't have any. So, I was wondering if that's like part of the story. It will be. Cool. So that's like oh, with yeah. the when we see the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, that's what they that's what they started out as was the escorts. So I think that's where we'll see the escorts come in play um because of course when they first started doing bomb missions they didn't do any escorts um and that's where they started to, which is crazy yeah I, I and it makes it, sense like in the in the series where you talk but when they're talking to those british guys yeah we bomb at night do you can't yeah. you, it's a hard time seeing us at night you guys are crazy yeah, it's not accurate, but exactly well when they're up there doing these but what, what are those uh the majority of those bombers uh B-what? B-17s. B-17s, right? Okay. Yep. So they're in these B-17s, and then the flak comes up, and it surrounds, for, it looks like for a mile, a mile and a half around them, they're surrounded by flak at every altitude. How are they supposed to, is that, was that realistic, that they could keep doing that? Oh, yeah. It just seemed like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, how are they even supposed, even yeah. the escorts would be getting shot. And, well, you mm-hmm. parts where, and this is kind of going into the niche part, a lot of times the escorts would kind of peel off once they get close to the bombing right target so the escorts don't get hit by the flak. Uh, they're really there to just get them to the target is what the escorts. Look like a fun job would be to, to, to fine-tune those flak guns and be like, all right, let's have these shooting low. By the time they get over here, yeah. we'll, we'll shoot them. Yeah. I will. I will say that the scenes they show a, a couple short scenes where the uh, they show the flat guns and like the the crews and it's pretty good. Like mm-hmm. it looks it looks good. Yeah. The part yeah, I, right. I like I now real. is they're showing when they're showing in the uh, kind of like the meeting room 
before the meetings, they're kind of breaking it down. You're going to have your high yeah. levels, you're going to have your medium levels, then you'll have your low levels. And you, that's something you don't hear a lot about. Yeah, I, I rewound. I had to rewind three times to get the plan down exactly. And then they go into Africa. I'm like, all right, all right, wait, what are we doing? Who's going where? All right. Let me and that was always my problem with, with pl- airplane movies was it's always just like the camera on the guy in the chair in the cockpit. <laughs> but they do a pretty good job here with the navigator and showing you, making you feel like you're really on the airplane. Like it doesn't look super fake or CGI like everything else you could usually tell. No, yeah, they've done a really good job. Um, but there are scenes where the CGI is kind of hokey, but it's that's like when my dad and I watched it. It's one of those things. He's like, oh, why can't they use me more B-17, actual B-17s? I'm like, uh, dad, there's only maybe eight in flying condition left <laughs> in the world. Crashing. They keep so, crashing them, too. Exactly. Oh, so we can, we can stop that now. So, yeah. yeah. Also, in, in any uh, any uh, movie that has B-17s in it, there's always a scene where somebody gets stuck in that yeah, vault. And I think they already got it out of the yeah, way. I was going to mention that. Well, they, they good, did a good job of telling you how cold it is and showing you how cold it is up there. Oh, it, so, it's, it's freezing it's up there. It's damn cold. <laughs> that's, why, that's why they're sheepskin wool jackets. Hey. I don't personally own one, but it's on the list to get of World War II items. I know some people that do own them, and it's insane how thick those jackets are. Cool. I need one now. Yeah, they made a jacket and a pair of uh, coveralls. But you, it's a cool, actually, the scene where they're getting ready for their first mission, you see them putting on those blue suits. And what those mm-hmm. did is those actually plugged into the aircraft, and they were kind of like heat jackets. Yeah. Oh, something cool. you don't hear much about, um, but that's something cool you see as well in the series that you, they actually show the heat jackets they're putting on, or like the insulate, kind of like where we have insulated thermal underwear and a thermal top. That's kind of what was there was it was just it would send there were coils that would just heat up and heat your whole body up. Sweet. All right, so I know you reenacted Nick, but what would you rather do now? Would you rather be the band of brother guys jumping out uh, in the airplane in the messes of the air? Or storming the Japanese islands in the Pacific. Oh, give me Normandy, Europe all day. I give all those guys that fought in Pacific credit. <laughs> it just was so filthy. The amount of diseases that was over there, just, I couldn't do it. I, I, I know a few gentlemen that served in the Pacific, and it's just what they saw blows out of the water what the guys in Europe saw. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, Dylan, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. That was, <laughs> that was brutal. Kelly, what about you? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> one day, one day someone's going to say uh, they're going to want to be in that plane or they're going to want to fight the Japanese. I don't know. One day. I listen to a tough guy. I listen to another podcast. It's all like first person war accounts. So, like a lot of World War II vets and like the ones from that fought in the Pacific. It's just ridiculous. Well, I like how they covered, especially going on into Pacific, talking about Pacific, where they talk about sludge there at the end. They show the like the PTSD side of it because what they saw and that's right. the way it needs to be because they did have it way worse than the guys in Europe did. So. Right, that transformation from the beginning to the end for that kid. Mm-hmm. And if you if anybody gets a chance, read his oh. book. It's a very good book. I want to. My list of books I have to read. It's sixteen pages long now. Oh, you know what I use? I use Aud- I, I, and This isn't a promo or a shout now. <laughs> I used uh, Audible. 
and you and you when you're at work you just put a book on and yep. you listen and it keeps your day going good and yeah, it's me too. the only I, way to get through your book list my only problem is i'm i'll hear something and then i need to rewind because it'll catch like wait what were they saying yeah like i'll hear it after the fact and I, and, and then i i'm always rewinding and it drives me nuts I, sh- I should try it again though like I, I like when i used to do that and i used to put it on like one and a half speed and just blow through things so it worked out well all right so nobody picks the japanese no one picks that but th- yeah so the episode four is coming out and do you know how, how many episodes altogether for that series do you know i don't know that's what i was thinking it was nine but yep that's it there's supposed to be nine Ugh. all right so stuff's there's gonna at be least really, 15 stuff's gonna be really <laughs> coming quick here soon then <laughs> all right so here's a question for the group if they were to add a four to the kind of similar mini series what theater would you want or what setting Ooh. Maybe maybe North Africa. That's what I was thinking. A lot of those guys that started North Africa went into Italy, so that would be a good one to go through. That's good. That'd be a good one. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm just trying to think of what divisions you could use. Third ID, you couldn't. Well, maybe yeah, you could use Third ID. When I asked the um, Chat GPT what conflicts, it said the Korean War and the Soviet Afghan War. That's a little outside. And countries, it said <laughs> Poland, China, and Canada. Yep, I'd agree with that. And battles, it says, while D-Day and Stalingrad have been extensively covered, many lesser-known battles receive less attention. For example, the Battle of Kursk, one of the largest tank battles in history. So I was thinking, was that, did they do a Kursk movie? I was just, my answer was going to be like a a tanker version. So I'm sure there's been movies about Kursk, but not any like well-known ones. I won't say good ones, because there's probably a good one out there. They're all foreign. Right. Pretty much. Right. The Russians have made a ton of World War II movies about their kind of perspective. Yeah, we need maybe another uh, good Hurtgen Forrest series because we had uh, When Trumpets Fade. Yeah, that'd be that cool. was really the only one I can think of that was in Hurtgen. Think any other ones. So, what I have, I thought we could. I, I made these prompts up and I put it into the air and I said, pretend that Spielberg's coming out with a new movie and he has an unlimited budget and put in some famous actors and make a movie. And I had it make a movie for me and it had Leonardo DiCaprio in there Jeez. and Christoph Waltz and it wrote out a whole big movie. So I was thinking if you answer these prompts, I could toss it into my thing here and we could see what it comes up with uh, for our own movie here. So what year or years would you guys like to make a movie in? Mm. Say we could do what we said about um yeah, africa. africa do 1943 you know be a good one the french indochina war maybe like when the france french are in vietnam and all that yeah no one's really covered that you don't yeah no one's really you have that opening scene of we were soldiers but that's about it yeah. and that took place from 46 to 54 so like you say 1950 1952 do you guys remember the first like war movie you saw as a kid god as a child, I loved Pearl Harbor just because there was a lot of plane action. I would just skip through all like the love <laughs> bullshit. The... <laughs> I love the love story. <laughs> I think the first ones I I was exposed to was like uh my grandpa was watching like uh the th- oh, what the hell's it the Big Red One, Green Beret, uh, Dirty Dozen stuff like that. Yeah, those are good ones. I was I became a sucker for the Vietnam movies. And 
I always thought those guys were so cool with the, the cigarettes in their sleeve and performing, uh, do, doing war crimes and all that. They were so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up to those guys. Yeah. I, when I was a teenager, I loved a uh, full metal jacket. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's always a good one. All right. So hold on. I'm putting in to do the Africa campaign. So hold on. I have it all written out here, though. And I'll tell it to pick a famous director. Last time it picked Tarantino for me. All right, let's see who the director is. Christopher Nolan. So the AI wrote the movie for us. We said we wanted an African movie. We got an African movie. Directed by Christopher Nolan. He's going to make up for Dunkirk, he said. He got Tom Hanks as Captain John Miller. Guy leading his men through the desert terrain. Charlize Theron as Lieutenant Sarah Thompson. What? <laughs> An intelligence officer tasked with decoding enemy communications. Idris Elba nice. as Sergeant Marcus Johnson. And a surprise Tom Cruise cameo as Major Robert Smith, a daring fighter pilot, providing crucial air support. All right? And it is the Battle of El Alamein. Wait a minute. Were the Americans even there? Well, we even hear British America. Yeah. Okay. It says introduction to the war torn landscapes of North Africa in 43. The focus shifts to the pivotal battle of El Alamein where allied forces, including British. There's got to be more uh, details here. Okay. Marcus Johnson is uh, Idris Elba. El Alamein, it was really just the British and then their allies. The U.S. just did air support, is all they did for El Alamein. Okay. Yeah. Idris Elba dies. So, um, I was filling around with this. You can actually get it to really like write you. You can say write the first act like a real script, and you can actually write the whole script out and <laughs> hundred pages and print it and go. So this LLME movie where Idris Elba dies and um, Tom Hanks leads everyone to safety at the end is cool name ideas: Desert Fury, Sands of Valor, <laughs> Echoes in the Sand, or The War's Embrace. <laughs> mm, interesting. <laughs> Well, we could, uh, Rama would be in that movie then. Right. That's what we got to do. You know, I'm going to work on it and get a real script going with Rommel and, uh, we'll, we'll get it made. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to have a GoFundMe going, um, (laughs) for the African movie. The movie. Rommel. From the studios of Millsurf HQ. But one other thing that the AI, I asked it quick, some Millsurf questions. What was the... Top three best military issued bolt action rifles of World War One, and it was Gewehr ninety eight, the SMLE, and the Mosin Nagant ninety one. Yeah, yeah, AI is not there yet. So no nineteen seventeen, no nineteen oh three. Okay, your jobs are safe, everyone. I asked the best military issued bolt actions of World War Two, the Mosin ninety one thirty first, the K ninety eight. And the Lee Enfield number four. So maybe they only think the, the Russians, Germans, and UK were in the war. Maybe you're thinking the top produced, you know. <laughs> then I asked pistols of World War One. So what would you say is the best pistol of World War One? What do you think, Kel? I mean World War One. You're the World War One guy. It's boring, but it is the nineteen eleven. Not according to AI. No. <laughs> it's the Luga POA. Yeah. They are pretty fun. And then the Colt, and then one more. Can you guess? Let's see next semi auto piss C96. 
Nope. One maybe. It's a pistol I always wanted just because the name sounded cool. I had no idea what it was. But I remember oh, someone... Ruby? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I was like, that sounds cool. They did make a lot of them. It is. It is one of the pistols of World War I. I love shooting mine. Well, the Luger P08 was the best pistol of World War II as well, apparently. <laughs> hmm, got a little bias going there. And then the 1911A1, and then the P38 is third. And then the, the age-old debate, the best semi-auto of World War II, the AI said the M1 Garand. I said Garand this time. The SVT-40 was second, and the Gewehr-43 was third. I mean, obviously, the SKS is the best. <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> and I cut my, my, the Mauser, I asked him what was the best Mauser crest, because I'm a Mauser crest guy. I wanted some validation. It said the Mauser Oberndorf crest, which is just words. So <laughs> that's not it. And then the best round to use in a Mauser rifle, 8 millimeter Mauser, it said. <laughs> so it just gets the most popular of each category. <laughs> so that's that. All right, boys and girls, let's recap here. We gave our opinions on those early World War One, World War Two movies. I told you the shit I was sick of. Tre- enough with the trench warfare and enough with Omaha Beach. No offense. Thank you for your service. <laughs> I don't. I, I want to see <laughs> Africa now. Now you got. I'm all psyched. I got to look up some Rommel movies. We recapped the recent movies that came out. The All Quiet on the Western Front that came out, even though it was 22. We went into some of the hype films coming out with Civil War. And we've learned that we, even when we don't like a movie, we still kind of like it. <laughs> we still watch it, at least. We went into the Masters of the Air and that it is, it, it holds its own, right? With, with Band of Brothers and, and the Pacific. It's, it's the same quality and production, right? I think so. And uh, we played some trivia. We toyed around with Ch- ChatGPT. So how bad it is. And I think that's it. We're going to come back for Mill Serpent Movies 2024-25 and recap these movies. Um, if you ever want to email us, millserpenhq at gmail.com. Uh, a lot of people email us a million different things, so it's funny. So keep doing it. And for future episodes, we are planning on having a similar episode to this, but for books and video games. So keep an eye out for that eventually. No timeline. Yeah, if you want to come on, you could... Uh, Go to the Patreon, and then you could come on and email. Maybe you could come on if you have something exciting to talk about, too. So, whatever. And thank you, guys. Dylan, Nick, appreciate hanging out. Thanks for having me. And chit-chatting. Thanks for having me as well. And we'll have you back again, of course. Oh, yeah. You guys are our pals, so. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up. Thank you, everyone. See you. See you. See you.